0: Go with me to Colossians chapter three, and let's begin there where we began last week. Colossians chapter three, and uh, while you're finding it, let's uh, let's agree together in prayer for good stuff. Father, in the name of Jesus, we set our hearts united together to receive from you, Lord. Speak, I pray, by your Spirit and say what needs to be said. We open ourselves. Lord, we're vessels you can talk to, you can use, you can flow through. Thank you for the abundance of your grace in every life. Thank you for ministering to every person tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, everybody, let's uh, get back into this now. We're talking about, anybody remember, The the priority principle, all right? This is a series we've been in for the last few weeks, and so... Uh, We want to continue with these thoughts again here today. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God." Isn't that good? Well, again, this gives this gives instruction to everyone who's been raised with Christ. If it, any person who's been who's been raised with Him, this is how we're supposed to live now. Okay, we are no longer to have our focus on natural stuff. All right, we got to deal with natural stuff. Obviously, we live in a physical world, but our focus, the main thing that's in our in our lens, we are zoomed in and focused in on things that are above. This is how the Christian life works. Okay. If I'm, as a raised up one, focused on things above, that's God's plan. That's how the Christian life is successful, fulfilling, fruitful, satisfying. It's, it's His design. All right. And He's the designer. He could have made it any way He wanted, but this is how He made it to work. It's like, Your car works. Uh, When you step on the pedal on the right, you go, assuming you're in gear, right? (laughs) That's important. Uh, You step on the pedal on the left, and you stop. Well, someone said, I don't really like that system, you know. You've had that person before you at the stoplight before, haven't you? (laughs) Light turned green, and you're thinking, it's the pedal on the right, (laughs) the other one. And you knew by those bright taillights that they had their foot on the wrong pedal right now. Okay. Well, that's just the way it works. The designers of the automobiles put the pedal on the right for gas, right? That's how you go. God designed our lives that once we're raised with Christ, now we must seek things that are above. Okay. If I don't do that, I'm going contrary to the way God created me. He didn't design the Christian life where you give your heart and life, you know, kind of, uh, to Him. You're saved. Your sins are forgiven. But you still live like the world. That is really just not the way it works. And you continue to seek those things that are beneath. That's the person who tries to live a Christian life and they fail. They're not fruitful, they're not having any fun, it's hard. They're struggling, they always need prayer. (laughs) And nothing wrong with needing prayer, but you know what I'm talking about? If we will do things the way God designed them, then when you want to go from here to there, you know how. Step on the gas and you'll go. And you know that as a believer, a risen one, you seek those things that are above and it works. Your life works. Your relationship with God works. Christianity just flows. There's power. There's provision. There's peace. There's prosperity. It works. Why? Because we're doing it right. We're acting in accordance with the designer's plan and his will. It's easier to say amen to than it is to switch your thinking, though, isn't it? It really is. Because this is a... Habit that we all must get established. I live for Him. I seek Him. His kingdom, His plan, His will, His word, His ways, what He wants, I want. And when that's true, things click. They really do. Amen. If someone's saying, with their Christian walk, their relationship with God, you're just not doing it right. Simple. Nothing wrong with God. Nothing wrong with you, per se. You're just doing it wrong. <laughs> you know, there's nothing wrong with the person who's sitting at the green light. They're just doing it wrong. I'm not mean they're a bad person. Don't show them you're, you know, <laughs> like the world does. They're just not doing it right. Have you ever done something wrong? I've done something wrong once. I mean, I've been lots of times. <laughs> When it comes to the Christian life, though, a lot of people are just doing it wrong. Start doing it right. (laughs) (laughs) I just need more people to pray for me. No, you don't. You just need to seek those things that are above. It's simple to say. It's easy to understand. But a lot of people don't put faith in the system. They don't put faith in God's design, His plan. And so we go on, not seeking those things that are above, trying to make things work. Trying every other way possible. You know, there's 20 options. And instead of just seeking those things that are above, we try every other one. I want to be nice and everything, but dumb. Why, and listen, I've been in the dumb category before too, but why do we do that? If we'll just trust that what he says works, it really does make everything work. There's tremendous value in seeking the Lord first in your life. There really is. One of them is this. When you seek him, you find him. Amazing. (laughs) Jesus taught us that, but how many know that really kind of is common sense? Why in the world did God tell us to seek something that we couldn't get? Never. And so there are benefits. One, it works. Another is that it really keeps us from um, doing the rest of our life without his full blessing. See, Jesus is the one who said that he would add, or the Father would add all the stuff to us if we'd seek him and seek his kingdom. And so if I will do that, not only will I find him, but I'll be able to live my life with the fullness of his blessing. It's like if you have a... If you have a job to cut down a tree and you've got a certain allotted time to cut that tree down and you've got your, your saw that you're going to use to cut the tree down, how many know it might be a good idea to spend a good portion of that time sharpening the blade, <laughs> sharpening that saw first? I know someone might say, well, what's the big deal? I'm just going to get after it. I mean, you're sitting around there, you know, sharpening your blade. I'm getting something done here. Well, you're getting very little done. Another person might think, well, I would, I'll just cut the tree down first and then sharpen it. Well, how many know that's just, what, what's wrong with that? It's just out of order. There is an order. There is a, a way to approach life, and when things are in their proper order, life is much more efficient. You get the job done. Things work. If you've got a lot to do, for example, pray more in your life. I mean, if you've got a lot before you, you should pray extra. In other words, if your day is really busy and you don't have a moment to spare, you've got a lot to squeeze in, you better make sure and spend extra time praying. But what's the thought? Well, I don't have time for that. Okay, Go through your day with a dull blade then. See how far you get. But that's the approach. See, we look at things so natural, but we're supposed to be heavenly-minded, not earthly-minded. We look at it natural. I don't have time to, to, to do that. I don't have time to seek those things that are above. I've got other stuff to work on. Okay, go out. Have at it. You'll be working at it a long time, but if we'll take time, to put our mind where it's supposed to be, to fix our gaze on uh, in the proper way, then everything else starts clicking. Then, watch, then the blessing of God resides on everything else we do. And we're not struggling so hard and trying to make everything work. We, li- we literally live for Him. Be more aware of your heavenly position than your earthly position. To seek eternal realities, to seek the kingdom to so seek heavenly things by thinking by meditating by, uh, by by inquiring into them should be the norm for, for for all believers normal part of our lives we're thinking about the lord his will his plan, and ways how the kingdom works how to get the word out how to expand how how to how to make a difference when a person is occupied with christ Uh, that's when God's power really works in them. The power stays the same. He stays the same. But when we allow ourselves to be moved, to be motivated, to uh, uh, to be again occupied with his business, that's when his power works. That's when what belongs to every one of us inherently in Christ begins to flow through us. Oh, it's so good. It's so worth it. Let me show you a few examples. Uh, turn with me to Colossians, or not Colossians, but Second uh, Chronicles. Second Chronicles, chapter 16. All right, let me give you a few Old Testament examples here. Second Chronicles, chapter 16. Now, in this part of the Bible, uh, Chronicles. These are the Chronicles of the uh, Uh, of the nation of Israel and their kings and and, and the prophets and a lot of different things that was going on in those days. There was a guy, a king, named Asa. All right, let's check into the last days of Asa here. Uh, Verse 11, 2 Chronicles 16, 11. Note that the acts of Asa, first and last, are indeed written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And in the 39th year of his reign... (laughs) If you wanted our presidents to go out faster, think about (laughs) this guy has been here my whole life. (laughs) That's just a side thought. Uh, 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet, and his malady was severe. Yet, in his disease, notice that phrase, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. What did he do? He did not seek the Lord. Did his failure to seek the Lord in when he was in dire straits have any kind of results in his life? Did it affect him in any kind of positive or negative way? Well, the very next verse says he died. <laughs> so we know real specifically that there's a connection between not seeking the Lord and death. That didn't say he didn't seek the Lord, so the Lord smacked him. So the Lord killed him. No, that's not what it said. The Lord uh, wasn't punishing him for not seeking, but he missed out on some of what could have been his, because this wouldn't be written together, verse 12 and verse 13, unless there is a principle that we are to learn from. He didn't seek the Lord, and he died. I need to get something from that. Here's what I get. If I seek the Lord, I will live. Really? you telling me you can stay living by seeking the Lord? Absolutely. It's, It's called the resurrection power of God flowing through my life because as a new creation in Christ Jesus, I seek those things that are above. Will it lengthen my life? Yes. Will it lengthen the quality? Will it expand the quality of my life? Absolutely. There are perks and benefits to having your focus in the right place. Amen. Amen. Although all the blessings of God belong to each and every member of the body of Christ. There are no favorites, there are no they belong to each and every person in Christ. Some look in the right direction and some do not. Some fix their gaze on him and make make the Lord their priority. Others are preoccupied with the things of this world, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things. And because of their focus and because of their attention, they miss out on much of what the Lord had planned. Their life, and that's what the Spirit of God is saying. Let's go over to First Kings. That'd be a left turn from right where you're at. First Kings, chapter 17. Thank you, Lord. First Kings, chapter 17, and verse 8. All right. Let's read a number of verses here as well. Now. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, him being Elijah, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And. Uh, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a, a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called her and, to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar and see I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die how many know she's kind of on her last leg here right I mean they're in the last meal and Elijah said to her do not fear go and do as you have said But make me a small cake from it. What's that next word? First. And bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. Everybody say first. Everybody say afterward. What's that? It's order, right? Priority. What did the man of God say? Make me one first, then make you one. Understand, she said, we only have enough for me and my son to eat a little bit, and then we're going to croak. We are going to starve. He said, no, you go make me one first, then you make one for you and your boy. Does that sound kind? (laughs) Does that sound worthy of a headline in the local newspaper? Local preacher takes money out of widow woman's mouth. Or takes money, takes food out of women widow woman's... Takes widow woman's last dollar. Huh? Local preacher takes up an offering <laughs> from the poor, <laughs> from the widow woman. Let's keep reading. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and... Her her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah. Again, I want you to notice, uh, and I think you can see where we're going, but uh, I want you to notice that he said to give him one, make me a cake. I don't think that was like a birthday cake, probably, you know, uh, something to eat. Make me a cake first. Now, again, that, that, that seems kind of cruel to talk to a poor person and say, I want you to give me your last. It's you and your son or it's me. Take care of me. And this was the man of God speaking by inspiration of God. Would God ever lead someone to direct a poor person to give? The answer, of course, is yes. But why couldn't she and her son eat first and then give? I mean, if this was really the miracle provision and supply of God, why couldn't she have fed her and her son first and then let the prophet do his thing? You know, let let there be a miracle of supply come. And you know what? You can have a bigger cake second after God opens up the floodgates of oil and flour. Why couldn't she have done that? It's just out of order. That's just not the way it works. You can step on that gas pedal, but you might want to start the car first. Say, the gas pedal doesn't work. Well, sure it works. It's just out of order. Before you, you know, you might want to put it in gear. Before you step on the gas. Say, what's wrong with the gas pedal? Nothing. just has to be used in the proper order. Okay, When it comes to the kingdom of God, the miracle provision of God, there is something very powerful and scriptural about putting God first. The giving comes first. If she would have said, you know what, we're going to eat first. Appreciate you, Elijah. But, uh, you know, we're going to take care of you. We're going to do this because I know you're a man of God. I know this is going to happen. But we're going to eat first. And then I'm, as soon as we're done, we'll have more strength. We'll feel good. We'll, our, you know, Our mental state will be up. And then I'm going to make you a big honking cake. How many know they would have starved to death? There would not have been enough if they did it in the wrong order. You do it in the right order, and there's enough from here going forward. In the wrong order, which is me first, I run out. Oh, this is good. This is powerful. If I put myself first, I've got a very short way to go. But if I'll put God's things first, I can keep going and keep going further than the Energizer Bunny. Just keep going and going and going. Why? Because every day of my life, I keep the Lord's business first. Amen. Amen. And so if she had put herself first, what would have happened? She would have starved. Let me ask you this. Would you receive something from someone who was poor? Would you take something from someone who it was their last? Too many of us, we see so naturally... We are so preoccupied with earthly position and possession that we could never take a step of faith like that because we fear the criticism of man, people not understanding. How in the world could you take that person's last meal, their last dollar? It's because I see beyond the natural realm. I see beyond what we can see, and I see into the miracle provision of God amen that's why i don't discourage someone who's who's not doing well financially i don't discourage them from giving i encourage them to give now if i were just looking natural i'd say no don't do that that's not doesn't make wise financial sense amen when it comes to finances i believe that we should follow wise financial principles except when it comes to giving (laughs) honestly I mean, uh, there may be, may be some of you that are, uh, you know, experts and, and real knowledgeable of, of um, you know, financial planning and all this stuff. And, and I'm all for that. But if you were to look at my, my finances, you would not recommend this to, that I do some of the things that I do. You would not recommend that, I, that we do what we're about to do. If you knew all our finances and all our situation, you would not recommend it. But guess what? I know more than you. Now, I might not know more just about finances in general. You might, you know, again, I don't know everything about that. But I have something else that I see. And there is a realm of God that I live in. It is the realm of faith. It is the realm where I'm stepping out of the boat and nothing's holding me up except the Word of God. It is where I believe that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I believe that He supplies all my need and I I need not worry or fear. I've been young and I'm getting older, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or His seed begging bread. And I'm never going to do without. I'm never going to go under because I'm going to exalt the name of the Lord and let His kingdom be magnified in my finances in my life and all that I do why because I see something I'm aware of something that's real in this life and it is God who's on the throne and he takes care of me and this widow woman she took a step of faith didn't she she didn't say "Ah, I'm not going to do that she went ahead and the man of God spoke and she said let's do it I'm going to do it and what happened the moment she did God intervened. God stepped into that situation and began to do a miracle in her home. Notice that he, I think this is interesting, Uh, he told her not to fear. How many know an absence of fear is key to doing the right thing? Man, I'm afraid if I do this, stop! Use your mouth, use it against those feelings of fear and say, I will not fear. I will not fear. I can't go down. I can't go under. God is on my side. He loves me. He gave his life for me. And I will never go under. Amen. Doing the Lord's will. Seeking those things that are above. He told her, do not fear. And uh, you might wonder, why didn't God send Elijah to a wealthy person? Why didn't he send him to someone of means? Someone that had a full pantry. Someone that had excess. How many know God will do things this way because he's wanting to turn around the life of a poor person? Someone who, who it doesn't have enough. He wants to turn their life around. How does he do that? Does he just rain dollars on them? Rain, rain, this kind of stuff? No. He gives them an opportunity to take a step of faith. He gives an opportunity to step out beyond what they can do naturally. Because naturally, they'd be doing better if they could. But they can't. Naturally, I am limited. I am severely limited in how I can uh, conduct my uh, affairs in life and and how, how much I can receive. I'm limited. Therefore, I've got to find an opportunity to get out beyond me. I've got to find an ability to step into, to tap into something that goes beyond my mental brain power my capacity my ability to cause success i've got to step over into the realm of god i'm always looking for an opportunity because i know i'm blessed with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in christ i know that in in him i have the fullness of everything i've got to find a place where i can take a step of faith to activate it to see it start to manifest in my life And this is the way a believer, a New Testament risen one who seeks those things that are above, will conduct themselves in their their life. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And so, again, uh, the Lord moves to meet everybody's needs, uh, just like he sent Elijah to this woman. But not everybody responds properly. Not everybody does the right thing and receives the promises of his provision. And uh, this is interesting as well, that when you think about this story, uh, she didn't obey, and then all of a sudden her barrel filled up. And She's got a big honking barrel of oil. She's got big, huge flower bend. She's good to go. She's laughing. They're kind of throwing it in the air. Woo! Yeah, we hit the big one. <laughs> just, I mean, just flowing it. How many know that's not the way it worked is it just didn't stop producing? You might consider this, uh, this might be a little bit of speculation, but God sent Elijah there to have his need met, and so that through that, that woman's need need could be met, but that was just one meal. Elijah ended up staying there. Could it be that in order for this miracle to, um, and this stands true, it's in agreement with Scripture, Uh, with the principle in scripture, that every day she had to make him one first. That the reason that oil never dried up, that flour never dried up, is because every day she took a step of faith and said, it's us or it's him. Let's make him one first. And she honored God through by serving him, honored the man of God, and she gave it to him first and there was enough for her and her kids. And she gave it to him first. And it was enough and, it kept and kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going. And the miracle never ceased. But she always had to continue walking by faith. She always had to take that step of faith in believing uh, that God's provision would be there for her. Okay, let's go over to 1 Chronicles now. 1 Chronicles 29. Anybody having fun yet? First Chronicles 29, and let's read over here in verse number 1. Uh, let's see, I'm in 2 Chronicles. Let me, let me join you in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 1. Furthermore, King David said to all the assembly, My son Solomon Whom alone God has chosen is young and inexperienced. And the work is great because the temple is not for man but for the Lord. So they're getting ready to build the temple for the Lord God. Now, uh, uh, for the house of my God, I have prepared with all my might. What did he do? He prepared. He prepared for the house of his God. He said, gold for things to be made of gold and silver for things of silver, bronze for things of bronze, iron for things of iron, wood for the things of wood, onyx stones, um, stones to be set, glistening stones of various colors and all kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance. So he got a lot of stuff ready. He said, moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, I have given... To the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. Why did he do this? It says, because he set his affection on the house of his God. This is called seeking God's things. Seeking the kingdom. Seeking things that are above. He said, because I've set my affection on... On the house of God, I have given. How many know that principle is true today? If I love God, His kingdom, His business, what will it prompt and motivate me to do? I'll give to it. Let's see what he did. He said, verse 4, 3,000 talents of gold of the gold of Ophir and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the house. Uh, the gold for things of gold and silver for things of silver and for all kinds of work to be done by the hands of craftsmen, uh, who then is willing to consecrate himself to the Lord this day? Now, without going through some of the talents and all those conversions, basically understand that if we were to bring this into today's uh, currency, our economy, this is multiplied billions of dollars i mean it's just and this was david's personal offering i did send him a brochure for our building by the way Uh, (laughs) i hope he gets it (laughs) it said so he said who then is willing to consecrate himself Um, by the way do you see how that how that was a public offering it was known what he did sometimes people think all oh, all offerings need to be private no one should know what anyone else does that's not true we've got biblical record of david's offering exactly what it was okay verse 6 then the leaders of the fathers houses leaders of the tribes of israel the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the officers of the king's work of, uh, of the king's work offered willingly that's an important word what's that willingly. They gave for the work of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord into the hand of Jehiel uh, the Gershonite. Then the people, what did they do? They rejoiced. For they had offered willingly, because with a loyal heart they had offered willingly to the Lord. And King David also rejoiced greatly. Notice the attitude of their offering. It was a willing offering. It was an abundant offering. It was a massive overflow for the kingdom, for the house of God. And what did they do when they gave it? Let's have a moment of silence. Everybody hush. As we sacrifice, give our stuff to him, I don't really want to, I guess I have to, sheesh. No, that wasn't the way they approached it. They willingly and with rejoicing gave their stuff to the kingdom of God, gave their stuff to the house of God. That's the attitude we want to have here and we want to have today. What is that? One of willingness and one of rejoicing. Someone said, "I don't want to do anything, man. Don't save us your, <laughs> save us your, uh, your wine. You know, <laughs> no one's twisting anybody's arm to do anything ever. So if you, someone said, I don't want to. Fine, no one's going to shine a spotlight on you. <laughs> Just hush. <laughs> but for those who have a willing heart and are ready to rejoice. That's how we offer our gifts. That's how we seek first the kingdom of God. Now again, not because we feel trapped or forced or anything. No, I genuinely and truly, I've been raised with Christ. And so I know my life is all about Him now. I seek first His kingdom. And that allows His power to flow. That allows His supernatural provision to flow in our lives, Amen, Amen. And when we set our affection, how many understand on the house of God? That's when everything becomes different, Amen. When our affection is truly on Him, you know, there's much we can say about this. I want to, I want to wrap things up and, and 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 finish up for today. You you might recall over um, in the book of Revelation where one of the churches was given this message. Uh, a correction, that they had left their first love. All through the Bible, we can see that with the Lord, what is first is important. It's not just that everything gets done. It is the order in which things things are done that matter to Him. And let it be said about your life. Let it be said about you when you come to the end of your life that people will say, they sought God first. They made God's business the most important thing. And how many know it's one thing to be a who's who on planet Earth? There's a lot of fame and fortune that certain people attain, but I think the list looks different in heaven. It's not necessarily those who were well-known and those who got a lot of uh, attention on the on, on planet Earth, but it, it is those who made God's kingdom the most important thing. In all they did amen they sought the purposes of God and let that be said of us here today you decide for you amen because we can't always look at each other on the outside and just know but I know that's what I want I love the house of God I love God's eternal work more so more than anything I have more than anything I can do I'd give it all up in a moment for his kingdom to be advanced. The Apostle Paul made an amazing statement over in in Romans, I think the ninth chapter, 10th chapter, 10th chapter, where he said concerning his natural people Israel, his relatives of the flesh, his country countrymen, he said I'd be cut off from Christ if I could get them saved. And that's always blown me away. It's like, dude, you really know what you're talking about, and he did. I mean, to be cut off from the Lord, eternally separated from God, so that so that others can be saved. It's like, he, you're past me, <laughs> you know. But that's the extent of how of what God had done and the love that He had placed in His heart and you how His life had been changed. Truly living for others, truly living for the advancement of others. Powerful thing. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you now for doing a work in our hearts and in our lives today. Oh, thank you, Lord, for doing a work. Lord, we've been saved. We've been changed. We've been washed and cleansed and made new. And, Lord, for this we give all the thanks. Forever and throughout eternity we'll we'll give all the thanks to you for doing good things in our lives, for saving us and giving us freedom and victory over sin.